Christmas right now. <clears throat> okay, welcome to the twelfth episode of my pod, where our motto is RT No Shade. Uh, a few announcements for today. My first announcement will have to be, of course, that my birthday is literally tomorrow. Like today is June first, tomorrow is June second. My birthday is June second. So if you're not following me on social media platforms, like I tell you on every episode, make sure you do that so you can really like support me, like my pictures, retweet my pictures, wish me happy birthday, you know, Snapchat me. Like it's I support everyone who supports me, and I thank you for the continuous love that you guys have given me from the very beginning. And I am so 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 thankful to have such a loyal and loving fan base. Um, another announcement that I have. We've all seen the um, the news. We've all seen what has been going on. And I just want to give a personal statement from my brand, my pod, that we do not condone racism. We do not condone police brutality. And we condone only love. We only condone positive things. Every time that I produce the episode, every time that I bring a special guest, we always focus on the positive. We may dibble and dabble dabble on the negative, but we always tie in at the end of the positive. So at the end of the day, one thing that I can say is that with everything that's going on in America, um, it is in some shape, way or fashion, it is uniting uh, the black community and it is helping us push certain narratives. With that being said, this episode is going to be very um, Afrocentric, and it's going to definitely let you guys, um, for those who are not aware, it's going to definitely get you guys to know more about our history as African people and as African American people. And also, at the end, we will be debunking a lot of things that are going on current day in America. Um, It's crazy because... I'm getting off topic, and then, you know, I'm going to introduce my special guest, but it's crazy because when I actually planned for this episode, and when my special guest talks, he can definitely confirm it, it's crazy how I literally planned this episode, like, at least a month ago, you know, what we were going to talk about and everything, well, not to the same extent, but, you know, I know we want to be somewhat in this direction, and it's crazy how now it's happening, like, it's wild, but, um... Like I was saying, now I'm going to introduce my special guest. I'm going to allow him to introduce himself. Tell the people where you're from, where they can find you. Um, just anything you want them to know, where you go to school, what's your major, all of that. Give me everything. All right. What's good, y'all? I'm William Powell. Uh, I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. I'm also a senior civil engineer major at Jackson State. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at will.2k21 or on Twitter at will underscore Southpaw. And... Uh, this is about African history, African people. And I want to take y'all through like a journey kind of like how I got into it. So pretty much uh, how I got into this was for my, my father. My father pretty much, I noticed at like the, around the age of 12, he would stop sleeping in the same room with my mom. And you know, normally that means like your dad put in the doghouse or something like that. He got in trouble. But it was recurring like every night and he still sleeps on the couch to this day. And I found out that he was actually researching African history on his own through self, uh, like self-knowledge. And he also pretty much influenced me to also do the same thing. So once I finally turned 18, he like he was started uh, letting me listen and see the Hidden Colors videos that everybody goes around and sees. Um, Dr. Umar Johnson, uh, that everybody goes and looks at those coon uh, memes, gifs, all that. 
he showed me all that when I like at a young age, but I was so naive to the fact that once I turned 18, I actually started noticing it more and more. And that got me into actually looking up this history on my own. So uh, that's, that's like a whole background ground of how I actually started doing this. And a lot of the word that comes around a lot is the N word. And I wanted to like educate people on where that word came from. I also made a video on this if you would like to see it, but uh, I'm going to take y'all through uh, how this N word came about. And I'm going to take it in a direction that, this uh, professor's name is Dr. Booker T. Coleman. He goes and he makes a comparison between uh, this lady named Dr. Helene Bravatsky. She's a Russian doctor, but she goes to Tibet around the 1800s and she finds this symbol of Buddhism. It is the yin yang. Buddhism and Buddhism yin yang means balance, law of opposites, law of complements, and it's found everywhere. She then brings it to Europe. And this uh, German lieutenant actually adopts it for the country of Germany. He puts it on the flags, the shields, the buildings, the uniforms. And, but he also starts to do horrible acts to innocent people. He actually starts a genocide of, against uh, Jewish people. As you can see where this is going, this is Adolf Hitler. So when people see a, uh, a swastika, Jewish people automatically go to that pain and suffering that they went through. Mm -hmm through the Holocaust, you know what I'm saying? And they don't see the originality of where it actually comes from, meaning uh, the yin-yang as in balance and law of opposites, because that meaning was uh, misconstrued and transformed into something else, mm -hmm. hate. So as you go towards uh, the N-word, it's the same thing. So the N-word came about during the, the Punic Wars in Africa. The Punic Wars were between the northern Germanic tribes, uh, the, what we call the Romans, in 200 BC, around that time, and the North, uh, the North Africans, called the Phoenicians. The Romans called them Punici, P-U-N-I-C-I. -I. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't their uh, cultural name. So when they asked them, like, what do we call you? What is your name? The people of North Africa, the Phoenicians called, they said, our name, we call us Inga. Inga is a sound. And in Africa, especially like uh, Egypt, their words were consonants. They didn't put any vowels in because they felt like those were sacred tones and only spoken, mm. not written. So you see NGR. And in Egypt, the G and the T can also be, uh, they're interchangeable. So Inga can become Netcher, the Netchers, which meant the essence of all things wonderful. So then that term, that Inga, gets put into the Romance language later on. These in countries like Spain, Portugal, Romania, Italy, France. And uh, when they put into the Romance language, it becomes it becomes Negro or, or Negro or Nigro, mm -hmm. which was a symbol for a dark complexion, people who had dark skin. That word later transforms when the British take it with the, in the enslavement of African people, it becomes Negro. From Negro to Negro. And it also transforms again to the European American when it started enslaving people in America. And it becomes nigger and, and, and nigger. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing. Like the Paris, it's, it, it actually just transformed through time. Inga became the N-word. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it went from this original meaning, meaning the essence of all things wonderful, and, but it was attached to a people, uh, by a people who did horrible acts to black people. Yeah. So it's the same thing if, like, 
the the Jewish the swastika and Jewish people with the N word and black people. But I always say though, as young people, we always know that we don't mean it in any harm. Mm-hmm. It's a term for endearment. Endearment, yep, for another black person. And but we also have to keep in mind that the older generation, when they hear that, it hits a nerve for mm-hmm. them. For the fact that they actually went through that stuff and people called them that. Yeah. To them to demean them. So we have to be respectable towards their feelings towards yeah. them. But to also to white people who don't understand the history of this word and they they realize this but are, are choosing not to not to acknowledge. Uh, understand, acknowledge, yeah. Point exactly, acknowledge the fact that we were called this by you. You are the sole reason why we carry this feeling towards the word. That word. We're thinking that it's just it, it's a it's a uh, the original meaning is to mean or to demean a black person when originally it's not. But you want to use it for a popular game because it's become popular in our culture. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like um, because I actually the video in question it was a really good video. Um, I actually watched it. He sent it to me, and you know it was very insightful. Basically, the same thing that he just told y'all, he told you know me as well, and it was it's like basically. The word was meant as, like, you know, like, my people, like, kings and queens. Like, you know, it was a very positive word. It was a, it was something that was so, it, I don't know, like, I'm not going to say how we use it in present day, but it was, like, somewhat like that. If I'm, like, am I going in the right direction with it? Yep. So it was, like, you know, mm-hmm. how we use it in the present day, but at the same time, it didn't have the negative connotation with it. You know what I mean? So going from that to and going through all the little channels, not little channels because they were not little, but going through all the channels that he explained and understanding that once it got to, you know, um, American culture, that it was used in a completely different way than what it was, you know, its actual intent. Um, it was used as a word of demeaning and it was used as a word of hatred and, and a word of just everything but what it was supposed to mean so you know like he said if your grandmother grandfather or you know anybody in your family you know if they if they say you know don't use the word don't use the word because at the end of the day in the 50s 60s and you know even before then whenever before the civil rights movement and all these you know they they were called these things and I understand that now it does not have the same connotation to us, but you all have to understand that just because it does not affect you does not mean that it isn't hurting someone else. So, you know what I mean? Just be very mindful how you use the word, when you use the word. We're not telling you not to use the word. If you want to use the word, exactly. we're not saying well, that. we're saying that if you're not um, of African descent. We are saying that. Well, I'm saying that. I'm speaking for myself. Don't say it. But you know, I'm saying, like, you know, if you want to say it, say it, but make sure that you're being respectful and making sure the people that are around you, when you say the word um, black people, if the black people are uncomfortable, then maybe you shouldn't use the word, but anybody else, uncomfortable, they, they can be uncomfortable, and it'll be okay. It's fine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and also to for another thing to add is just the fact that uh, when conquerors come in and invade a people and conquer people, they destroy their history as well. And the guy who was in the Hidden Colors video, he says this to to point out the fact that when they when they invade people, they take away their history, they destroy it to make it seem as if they conquered nobody. Mm-hmm. And when you see that today, a lot of our people don't know their history. We're not taught it in schools. We're taught about Greek 
and Romans and European history, uh-huh. but what we're talking, what they talk about about us, is slavery for one and the civil rights movement, the times where we've been oppressed. Right. But the question you have to ask is, what were African people doing before they were enslaved? Mm-hmm. That's good, and that's a lot. That's the question that nobody asks. And you know what's crazy? You know what like um, me being an education major, I am an education major with a concentration in social science. A lot of people don't know what social science is, but basically, social science is social studies. It's just a different name for it. And um, my my favorite subject when I was um, in high school was definitely history because it was so many things that I did not know and. During history, it taught you so much about why things are the way they are today, like the oppression, the um, while we have daylight saving time. Um, the Roaring Twenties was one of my favorite eras to just you know uh, read and understand, and you know get it all out. And it's just like, but when it came, like Will said, like it was only the civil rights movement and you know the slave trade, and it's like we are so much more than that. Like our history does not begin there, and as a future educator. It is my business to teach the future black children and the generations after them that we we this is not this is not our beginning. This is not what defines us and it never did define us. You know what I mean? It is it is it is what shaped us. It definitely shaped us. I'm not gonna say that it didn't, but at the end of the day, what is going on like now, present day, what happened a hundred years ago, like it's not where our history began and I want our students to know that you are so much more than the restraints that America has put on you. You will always be more than that. So make sure that at the end of the day you know where you came from and it's my duty and I take this in so seriously to ensure that my children know what's going on, like for real. Yeah, my dad my dad also was an educator. He was a math teacher for over four years. He just he just retired teaching. He turned 62. He'd been teaching since he was 19. Mm-hmm. And he would always, when he started researching African history, he would teach that. He was Ill. Although he was a math teacher, he would incorporate African history in the lecture, mm-hmm. no matter what day or time. Some days we wouldn't even learn math. Some days we would just straight up learn history for, for 60 mm-hmm. minutes. And because he felt it was that important, you know what I'm saying? And, and also we have to look at when you learn the history of your people, it raises your racial esteem. Mm-hmm. You got racial esteem, you have self-esteem. The way black people feel about themselves as a person, as an individual, they have they may have high self-esteem, but your racial esteem is how you feel towards your own race. And that is what we lack. And I feel like if we actually learned our history, where we came from, it will raise the bar so much. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And I say that to say um, when we look at this, it's a book called Stolen Legacy by George G.M. James. You know what I'm saying? We have to look at African or black scholars because they're going to share the limelight of our history in its best interest. It's been documented in history that when, you know, some people who are not our culture try to explain our history to us, you know what I'm saying? People who don't understand our history trying to explain it, it will put us in the bad yeah. light. Or they try to, there's also prejudice in it, uh, telling history. It definitely is. You know what I'm saying? It's, it, <clears throat> so we look at this book called uh, Stolen Legacy, and this book actually got him killed. This book got him killed. And he goes in the argument to say that Greek philosophy is stolen uh, Egyptian philosophy. And he goes in and he goes in and uh, explains or he makes these different arguments about scholars like Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, uh, Pythagoras. And he goes through all of the things that they talked about, their philosophy. And you have to look at the t- at the time he explains that. 
Greece or Ionia, wherever these people were at, they were going with war with each other. They were in constant war with each other. <clears throat> you can't be philosophical if your people, if your own people are fighting right. each other, for one. Also, when they document their lives, they always start at, you know what I'm saying, age 20, age 40, where they start talking about this stuff, but they never say where they got their early education right. from. There's this thing called the Egyptian mystery system. This was a school of philosophy. In Egypt, they had the Grand Lodge of Luxor. They had different lodges set up in the regions of North Africa. And they had subsidiary schools mm -hmm. as well, where people who learned from them went on and made schools of their own. And it is, it's been proven that Socrates, Pythagoras, you know what I'm saying, Aristotle, they learned from these very schools. But we're always taught that the three main philosophers were Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. But we don't acknowledge where they got their, their information, their education from. And it was from black people. So you have to do when you learn this stuff, you have to discredit the Greeks for actually for the knowledge that they brought to their world because it wasn't originally there. They claimed it just like the A square plus B square equals C square. Pythagorean mm -hmm. theorem, they named it after Pythagoras, but he learned that from the Egyptians because the Egyptians were the ones who built the pyramids perfectly. Mm -hmm. Those cinder blocks are probably one inch off. You have to have used ge geometry, trigonometry to right. figure that out. Because the whole structure could you know come saying? tumbling down if one brick is out of place. Exactly. And those, and those structures are still standing up to this day. So you have to realize that uh, a lot of Greek philosophy is stolen Egyptian philosophy. You know what I'm saying? It breaks down the whole uh, thing about... <laughs> well, I, I can say this. Oh, bless you. I can say this. The Egyptian mystery system where it's where you came in and you learn and you learn for about 40 years. It took you 40 years to complete the schooling. Wow. They took you in at age seven and they circumcised you. And then they went in and you learned for 40 years. You know what I'm saying? And then um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, it, it's, it always talks, it talks about this in the uh, Bible, how the Moses, he learned in the ways of the Egyptian priest. Mm -hmm. He went through, that means he went through the whole schooling for 40 years. And we noticed that he came out, what, age 40? You know what I'm saying? 47? But you also have to think that, like, you know what I'm saying? Always he's got to remember that your people is the ones who gave life to others. You feel mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause, <clears throat> and, know. like, go ahead. Go no, ahead, go ahead, saying, go ahead. It's like, because I didn't want to, I didn't, I didn't know for a fact, so that's why I didn't want to say it, but. You know, when you first started talking about stolen legacy, I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm pretty sure that, like, the um, the African people are the people who created math. Like, I was like, I'm pretty sure they're the one who created math. Like, just like modern day, like, and that just goes back to modern day, how they were the inventors of math, but you have Pythagorean, um, you have the Pythagorean theorem, and it's, like, not even yeah. his thoughts. I'm not going to it may not even be his thoughts at all. Like, he may not have anything to do with it at all, but it's still named after him because that's, that's like, that just goes to show how far back white privilege is just, like, it just is, is true. Like, because even present day, it can be so many, not even, they don't even have to be black. Someone, and they don't even have to be, you know, 
that could even be white. Like the white man is, and I hate to sound like this person, but they are truly the oppressor of everyone. Like even their own women, like their own women don't get it as bad as some other people, like, you know, black people and Asians and uh, people who are Latino, like they don't get it that bad. But it's like, you know, it's crazy how much stuff is stolen and reclaimed as if it was them who created it. And a lot of people will never know. It's very true, you know what I'm saying? Um, moving like twelve, even when you look at African American history, you know what I'm saying? We gotta look, you gotta keep looking in history when you look at the impacts of Booker T. Washington, mm-hmm. Marcus Garvey, and Kwame Nkrumah. Booker T. Washington was uh, like an activist in America, you know what I'm saying? And he was the one who influenced Marcus mm-hmm. Garvey, which is a polit- who was a political activist in Jamaica. Who also, Marcus Garvey influenced Kwame mm-hmm. Nkrumah, was a political activist in Ghana. You know what I'm saying? So we got to, like, who will be our person who will help liberate us? Yeah. Today? And then another thing, um, because when I was researching these guys, even though one influenced the next and the next influenced the next, they were so completely different. Like, for those who don't mm-hmm. know, you should really research it yourself because it was so eye opening. Like, First of all, it's so much stuff that I don't know. And I'm not afraid to say there's some things I'm ignorant on because at the end of the day, you should never be afraid of learning new knowledge. You should always want to learn new knowledge. So when you do learn something, don't be like, if somebody said you should have been new this X, Y, Z, then you should tell that person, why didn't they tell you? That's what that's what needs to be a response. But when I was researching Booker G. Washington, because I really honestly did not know much about him, I didn't even know he was the... the um, I don't know if he was the founder or one of the founders, but I think he was the founder of Tuskegee University. I didn't know that his corpse was buried yep. on Tuskegee's, um, uh, on their campus, but um, that's just, you know, a little fun fact. But when it comes to Booker T. Washington, he was very, I'm not going to say, I don't know, like, he was peaceful, but at the same time, he was, I wouldn't say he was as extreme as Malcolm X. But at the same time, I wouldn't say, like, because when people think peace, automatically they think of Martin Luther King Jr. because that's, the, that's one of the few people that we were taught about in um, our U.S. history classes. But if, you know, if that's somebody you compare him to, I wouldn't compare him as, you know, peaceful as Martin Luther King. Like, I feel like he did have a little bit of a radicalness to him, but not as extreme. And, you know... He definitely fought for what he believed in, and he like y'all like Booker T. Washington was that guy. And then when it came to what's his name, not um not Kwamba, but um what's his name, Marcus Garvey. Now that man, that man is definitely the oh, definition yeah. of I said what I said. Like he don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna say he don't, he didn't care, but he was just like he believed in what he believed in, and at the end of the day, he felt like you know first of all he felt like all African people need to like we need to get our stuff. And we need to go back to Africa. And he was, you know, trying to make himself the president of Africa and everything. But Marcus Garvey definitely, even though he, um, his his idealisms were flawed, but at the end of the day, he definitely had a plan. He knew what he wanted to do. It didn't go exactly how he wanted to go, but he definitely was a very determined leader. And that's somebody that, you know, we would need today. And um, Kwamba, what's his name? How you say it? Kwame Nkrumah. Um, I don't know how I feel about him. Like, I feel like he was. I feel like he was more on the radical side. 
I know his people love him though. That's one thing I can't say. Who? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, because uh, I'm gonna be pissed off. Hello. You still there? Did it go out for you? Could you hear me? Yeah. Like, yeah, it went yeah. out for like uh, five seconds. Oh, uh, sorry, y'all. Technical difficulties, but because I'm not starting this off. But uh, what was I saying? His people definitely loved him for real. Like, he was so celebrated. Like, literally, um, it was like literally whenever he came through, I think, didn't he go to jail? When he got out, it was literally uh-huh. like, y'all know how full the plaza be for homecoming? It was like, like, literally, imagine two plazas, both just as full, and, like, a car driving through um, the plaza during homecoming. Like, that's how many people, that's just, like, so you can get a, a vision. That's about how many people was there celebrating his, um, his, what's it called? Not escape, but his, um, when he got out of jail, celebrating him being free. So, I don't know, they were all very different. And yeah. but they all influence one each. They all influence each other, and at the same time, the other they influence each other. But they probably influence you know hundreds and thousands of people, you know, who may not be in the history books, but are doing things in their community and doing things all around the world to, um, you know, to progress the black nation. Exactly true. You got to remember though, these people were different. You know, so the people who are on Twitter like arguing about people who want to be peaceful protesters and don't want to loot and the people who actually are uh, looting and uh, violently protesting. You gotta, you always got to remember that mm-hmm. Booker T. Washington was different from W.B. Du Bois. Martin Luther King was different from Malcolm X. But you got to remember that these people shared the same common goal, just different uh, ways to go about to get there. So if people don't want to violently protest and loot, let them continue mm-hmm. to uh, peacefully protest. And if you are continuing to violently uh, loot and protest, exactly. do what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? But you have to keep in mind what's next. Mm-hmm. What are these next steps? You know what I'm saying? You, because at the end of the day, it just sounds like we just want justice and not change. If we're just going to protest, we need somebody who can be our advocate and who can be as a uh, our leader to actually go in and negotiate the things that we want. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King was a negotiator. You know what I'm saying? But you, you also got to remember that these who are who our political uh, leaders were back in the past, they were assassinated. So some people are afraid to speak up and actually be that diplomatic, that leader, because mm-hmm. they're afraid of being killed because of what's happened in the past. But we have to have something in place for... Yeah these next steps. We have to be organized. I remember Killer Mike said something about, he said this back in probably 2014, Killer Mike in Atlanta, he said, uh, he asked the crowd, who all knows how to, who all knows how to grow their own food? Only a couple people. Who all knows, who all is training uh, hand-to-hand combat? Rarely, like probably one or a couple people. Who knows how to shoot? A couple people. So if you can't feed for yourself, if you can't fight, train and fight, if you can't shoot, how are we going to start a race war, a revolutionary war right. if we can't even fend for ourselves? So you have to 
So you have to do your job in learning these skills because the police are trained to fight. You know what I'm saying? These big corporations know how to make mm-hmm. food and produce food for themselves. But if we go away, if we're trying to separate ourselves, will we be able to survive and fend for ourselves? That's some deep stuff. And it really, it should, it should get people thinking about um, what's going on. Like, at the end of the day, like, mm-hmm. it could very much possibly be a race war in the very, very, very near future. But at the end of the day, like, if you aren't prepared for it, then how will, how good can you contribute to the cause, you know? So it's like everybody's mad because yeah. people don't want to do this and people don't do that. Personally, if you want to loot, loot. Because my thing is, these corporations are getting money off you regardless. Like, and they might, on top of getting money off you regardless, they have, they're multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar companies. And then on top of them being multi-billion dollar companies, they have insurance. So everything that was stolen is going to be replaced because they have insurance. Like literally, there's literally money set aside for things, not necessarily things like this, but in a sense, things like this. Like there, there's insurance policies. So I think if you want to loot, loot. Like do make sure that you know what you're doing though. Like make sure. Oh yeah, yeah, but don't touch black businesses. Like, not touch these black-owned businesses because, at the end of the day, they are trying to make an outlet for not only us but their future, their future generations and their families. And just you know, they're trying to better themselves. So anybody who's trying to better themselves, you know, leave them alone. But these multi-billion-dollar companies who are making money off of our name and are loot them, loot Loot. them. Like they literally have people. Making this stuff for little to nothing, and we're buying it at skyrocket prices. Loop them if that's what you want to do. And if you don't agree with that, that's fine. That's completely fine because you don't have to do it. But at the end of the day, we shouldn't crucify people for um, not looting or not wanting to loot or or wanting to do any of this stuff. Well, not let me not say any of this stuff because you know some stuff I feel like people should do. But at the end of the day. Who am I to tell you what to do? Like, at the end of the day, people are still going to be people at the end of the day. They're going to do what they exactly. want to do. They're not going to do what they don't want to do. It's that simple. But at the end of the day, as long as you're doing your part, as long as you know that you can sleep at night because you fought for what you believed in, then that should be all that matters. Like, it's just that simple. Mm-hmm. This is a conversation. So, what do you feel like we should do, Monty? What's your opinion on what we well, should do honestly, next? I feel as if next, like, don't get me wrong, the looting and all that, that's fine. Like, that's cool. But at the end of the day, it needs to be a serious conversation. It needs to be some type of congregation. Like, the the people who are ready for the change, they need to come. And I guess in, like, the different areas, like, the different cities. like, And it might, it's not going to be an overnight process. Like, everything I'm going to say, please know that it's not going to be something, oh, meeting tomorrow, this going to happen this day, this going to happen this day. It's, it's not going to be... You know, something that is effective immediately. Don't think that anything that I'm about to say is going to be something that's going to be able to be effective immediately because that's not the case. But what I'm saying is these are steps that we can take. And yes, it may be gradual change, but gradual change is better than no change. So I feel like people should yeah. meet and congregate in safe in safe havens. Well, even though social distance, just bump out it. You know, meet in safe havens and, you know, 
like be like, okay, this is our spokesperson for this. Like, if you get a group of thirty people, this is our spokesperson. Then spokespeople should be able to find get in contact with other spokespeople, and then you know, like three spokes groups get together, and they decide on the overall, like, okay, we want this person, and it gets so large to where it's like, what, like, what can they do with us? You know what I mean? Like, either you're gonna listen to us, or it will be serious repercussions. What those right. repercussions will be. I don't know, but I feel like that's something that you would talk about once you get in your different spoke groups. Like, okay, these are the issues, and these are some solutions that we can use to um, to defend those issues and to make everything better. But at the end of the day, like I said, and it's and that and it's something like that. Even to get three spoke groups together, that could take at least. First of all, one spoke group that could take at least at like I'm thinking at the minimum at least a week and a half. Like that's at minimum, and then to get three of them together, I'm pretty. I'm thinking at least two months, two or a month and a half, two months. Like this is not something that'll be like, oh, well, you know, da da da, da da da. Like no, it, it don't work like that. Like especially, especially something successful. Something successful is not gonna work. As in, okay, we meet as a group on Tuesday, Thursday we're meeting. We meet two other groups because y'all groups may not even you know see eye to eye. This group may be proluding. This group may be, well, I feel like we need to do this. And this group may may not even know what's going on. That's why you need to get the groups together. Make sure y'all know where y'all stand. Talk to spokes, uh, elect y'all spokesmen. And then allow the spokesman to speak to the other spokesman. Because y'all shouldn't even be in the conversation. Because y'all chose a spokesman for a reason. Because the spokesman is going to be the person who speaks to y'all. And so it's no point in three spokesmen having over a hundred people in the crowd listening to their conversation. No, that's what the spokesman is there for. The spokesman will come back and say, okay, do you want to deal with this? Do you not want to deal with this? Take a vote and that be that. And then and it's, it's just like so much that could be done. But at the same time, people today, our, our day is like, it's like a microwave. Um, we're in the microwave world. Like we want everything as soon as possible. Like, okay, I need it now. And I don't even want to like, I need like, even, even if you think about an actual microwave, you're trying to eat some noodles. You know, I don't know if you do or not. I'm just using this analogy. You're trying to eat some noodles. Noodles take a good at least three to five minutes. I, I do five minutes personally. So my thing is, that's just like, okay, I'm hungry. So I'm like, let me make me something quick. I need some noodles. The the timer don't get to four minutes or 30 seconds good before I'm like, okay, dang, like, I'm I'm ready to eat. Like, it needs to come on. Like, we're so impatient in today. But something like this, especially if we're trying to take it serious, it would have to take... It would take a long time if we wanted to be successful. But at the end of the day, if the people who are putting their time, their energy, their money, their love, if they put all of that into it, I personally feel like in the future, in the near future, maybe three years or however much, once we've gotten everyone as a collective to understand each other and to and to back each other, I feel like at that point, we will be where we need to be or we'll be so much more closer to where we need to be. Yeah. I completely agree. Uh, my route, my, what I feel like, it takes a whole nother route because I'd be feeling, because honestly, I was talking with my mentor and this is the same loop that's getting played over and over. Mm-hmm. We're singing the same song over and over again. And we need to see more change. We need people to actually that we can't just continue right. to protest. There's more that needs to be done for one. But if if it can't, because I'm starting to feel really how I feel about I feel like America Same. is not for us anymore. 
I really, I genuinely feel that. And with that, I can't just feel that. I have to, like, I have to come up with, like, a solution to what we could do for that, to, uh, for that feeling. Mm-hmm. And I would say, just for my opinion, would go back to, go to Africa, honestly, because this is a, uh, this is a quote by Vladimir Putin. African soil can feed the whole the whole of Europe, America, Asia, mm-hmm. but their problem is just one, their leaders. He goes on to say, uh, what does it says? Says a white man will commit a crime in Africa, but no action will be taken because African authorities view us as demigods far from the truth. And then it also goes to say, um, you can't compare African weather with any other weather. You know what I'm saying? So we we who we have what yeah. others, what other countries want. If we took our capitalistic minds, our young minds, our energy to build yeah, up this Africa, is true. it could be a superpower. But this is the That's thing. That's just my like, opinion. This is the thing. This is how I feel. And it's probably very unpopular. But this is how I feel. And my, honestly, my channel is full of mm-hmm. unpopular opinions. So whatever. But I honestly feel like I'm not going to say that's not going to work. What I am going to say is I know that a lot of people um, from Africa don't care for Americans, like, at all. Like, they, they like, unsubstantive. And oh, honestly, yeah. I can see why. And I can understand exactly why they don't like us. But, um, yeah, like, they... They look at us like uh, yeah. we're rich people. We're a bunch of just rich. Mm-hmm. And they, and they think that we're, like I, that we're all... I'm not going to say none of us... Um, none of us are because some of us are. They think that we're very entitled. They think that we're whiners. They think that we're just yeah. so just we're just. I'm not gonna say useless, but I feel like they think that we're just like just there. Like they they honestly and they feel like we don't value things. Well, I feel like we value things differently than how they value things. So it's to them, it's and then they have different customs. They feel like we are. Um, taking things for granted and that may not be the case it's just just because i don't express it just like you express it don't mean that it's not you know right but if that was the case if they can get over it and we can get over it and we can come together as a collective i believe that would be such a powerhouse like without a doubt i really would but i'm already know how uh how black folks think they ain't gonna want to go but hey yeah these are just, i mean these are just these options we still got to. Yeah, I mean these are just options for because if we just gonna keep, I ain't gonna say complaining, but if we gonna keep going through this stuff, mm-hmm. it's just a different, it's just a different route. Well, well, yeah. I can say that this was a very informative episode, and I'm pretty sure my my loving, loving supporters will listen to this episode and appreciate it, especially now more than ever. Um, it's it. I feel like it's very calming to listen to something else that other than like just you know what's going on on the news like even though we did briefly speak about it you know we definitely talked about other things that were in a more positive light so I honestly I honestly really 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 appreciate you coming on is there anything you want to say to the listeners out there oh yeah uh pleasure talking to y'all for sure um Another thing I would say, research your history, research where you come from. Uh, it'll help you in the long run for sure. Mm-hmm. And not all history is born, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's amazing to see where you come from 
and how far you've come. Uh, you're deeper than slavery. You're deeper than, you know what I'm saying, the civil rights. Even though these are powerful uh, mm-hmm. entities, these are powerful yeah. events in our history, we're much more. We were kings and queens before we came over here. That's true. And always remember that. And, um, yeah, like, I don't even know. Like, this episode, I feel like it was really powerful, really it really helped some people. I really feel like it's going to help some people better understand themselves. Um, I feel like it's going to encourage some people to do their research. I feel like it's really going to just, you know, just help people out in this time. So, with that being said, I think I'm going to wrap oh, this definitely. episode up again. Tomorrow is my birthday, June 2nd. June 2nd, 2020. I am turning 20 years old. You guys should definitely wish me a happy birthday. Um, you should have my Twitter. You should have my Instagram. You should have my Snapchat. Because I it's this episode twelve. If you ain't got it by this episode, you ain't gonna get it. And that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. It's okay. But if you do have those platforms, um, please wish me a birthday. I love you guys so much. And it's always, 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 always a pleasure speaking to you guys. And I am finna send you guys off. Send you guys off. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, tomorrow's my birthday. Um, if you follow me on anything, you know that I never let you guys forget. Um, again, last thing before I leave, tomorrow's my birthday. Okay, y'all. I love y'all. I'll speak to y'all next week, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Bye.